0: Listener
1: Production. Hey, Bency on Seabit here with your afternoon briefing. Taylor Swift has wrapped up her massive errors tour in Australia, closing out her final sold-out show in Sydney last night after performing the biggest shows of her career in Melbourne just over a week ago. But what happens to cities like Sydney in Melbourne and smaller cities like my hometown of Adelaide that occasionally gets to host massive artists after a megastar like Taylor Swift picks up and leaves? Here to take us through the environmental impact of the Eras Tour and other big shows like it, here's listener journalist Lauren Howarth. Hi, Lauren. How's it going?
0: Good. Thanks, Bencian.
1: So, let's start with the big picture. How bad are these kinds of shows for the environment?
0: Yeah. So basically bigger events like Taylor Swift, they generally have a higher impact due to a couple of factors. So I'll just run you through those. Uh, big one is the energy usage. You got to think of all the lighting and those massive speaker systems. I went to Taylor Swift and all the visual effects on the stage, that was a lot of energy being used for those. Mm-hmm. And the carbon emissions from transport as well. I spoke to Liam Taylor from Planet Arc and he told me that there've been a few studies actually, which shows that most of the emissions from transport, if when you've got international acts flying over to places like Australia, actually comes from the audience. And there was this stat out today that apparently for the Sydney Eras tour shows, up to 45% of concert goers and those who didn't have tickets but stood outside the stadium, they came from interstate and overseas, which is nearly half of the audience there. And so he's Mm. really encouraged people when we have these big events to jump on public transport to get to gigs as well. And you've got the single use waste, like all those plastic cups as well that you've got to think about. But there are a few musicians that are actually really trying to tour in a more environmentally friendly way. And one example of that is Billie Eilish in a Happier Than Ever tour, which was a couple of years ago. So I'll just bring in Liam to explain a bit about that.
2: So Billie partnered with an organization called Reverb ahead of that tour, and they really tried to reduce their overall impact. And they did things like offering plant-based meals at all of the concerts, eliminating single-use plastic water bottles and making water fountains available, and and also generally raising funds for climate projects and trying to offset the impact that they do have.
0: And another big example that I'm sure you might have heard of is Coldplay. So essentially, they want to one day have their entire tour just powered by completely renewable energy. And they even use energy from dancing fans to power some of their shows. So here's the... Yeah. Have you seen that at all? (laughs) No. (laughs) people dancing on the dance floor and it's like all kinetic energy and it's just powering the show. It's like pretty incredible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I'll bring in the band's tour manager actually, uh, Phil Harvey, and he spoke to the BBC about how they powered Wembley Stadium using some of this technology.
1: So we kind of had to invent the world's first tourable battery. It's actually made of 40 recycled electric car batteries. And it's got a 1.67 megawatt capacity, so that's enough to power the entire show.
2: That's just blowing my mind.
1: Great about the battery system is that we can power it with all sorts of different energy sources. So we use biodiesel generators, which is hydro-treated vegetable oil. That's one of the main ways. And
2: bicycles. Yeah.
0: If people want to work out whilst they're here, they can help generate some energy.
1: Yeah, and kinetic energy floors where the fans can actively get involved and power the show. Yeah,
0: so that's a pretty fun way to power a show. Everyone dancing and on their spin bikes getting the show going. That's um, amazing. Yeah. And essentially, you know, you were seeing people like Billy Eilish. Bands like Coldplay, and basically, the more artists that do try to tour environmentally friendly, the more it just becomes a normal thing. So, who knows? We might see that in the future.
1: Cool. So, how big is the cleanup generally when these massive acts come and go?
0: Yeah. So there's obviously a bit of a cleanup. And I remember when Harry Styles came to Australia last year, um, one of the big things was the feather boas. And I know with Taylor, there's a lot of sequins around. And I remember with the feathers uh, from the feather boas, people cleaning up saying that they could still find them months after he'd already left Australia, which is, yeah, not great for the environment, obviously.
1: That actually reminds me of a show that's been quite famous in Adelaide at WOM Adelaide Every Fringe, which is called Plus des Anges, which is this amazing show where there's like thousands and thousands of people in the crowd and they drop tons, I think, worth of white feathers oh, as these acrobats are kind yeah. of sliding across in the air. So that's the feathers. <laughs> what about yeah. the cups that people drink out of.
0: Yeah. So I spoke to Liam again about this and uh, he told me that he had a bit of a look into the cleanup and found as for the waste, like the single use cups, the people are actually generally pretty responsible with them. You know, they get them and they throw them in the bin. So I'll bring in Liam again to tell you a bit more about this one.
2: There were a few stories of big cleanups in cities like Pittsburgh and others in America following Taylor Swift shows or just big international acts in general I, what I found interesting was a lot of the anecdotes coming out from city cleaners and those working in in the waste space was that it wasn't even as bad as the average sports game. So what, what that kind of tells me is that Swifties or or people who are into music in general are pretty conscious about putting their trash in the bin at the end of these kind of events.
1: And of course, with the Taylor Swift concerts, we saw thousands and thousands of people putting on some pretty interesting and amazing costumes. What happens to all that clothing?
0: Yeah. And obviously, Taylor is just one example of this. Don't want to single out the Swifties. But generally, mm-hmm. when you know big artists come to Australia or there's big events like festivals, people want to get a new outfit. And I'm guilty of this as well. You always think you've got to get a new outfit to go to these sorts of events. Um, but I actually noticed people already selling their outfits on Depop and you know they're trying to resell them to other people. You had all these sequined skirts and all these glitter cowboy boots. I'm not sure how often you'd go outside wearing them just to the shops. So people are just trying to get... Rid of them and sell them to get some money back, and unfortunately, I think a lot of this will either end up in charity shops or in landfill. And I saw a lot of the stores jumping at the chance to sell these Taylor-inspired clothes, like yeah, the sequin skirts and the cowboy boots. And I, you know, it's a bit of a cash grab, really. They're all just jumping on the swift train. This doesn't really help Australia's mission in wanting to become more sustainable in terms of our fashion.
2: Yeah, uh, because we know Australians are already some of the highest clothing consumers in the world. There's data out there estimating that the average person here in Australia purchases about 14 and a half kilos of new clothing every year. They reckon that equates to about 56 new items of clothing. And that's just completely unsustainable and kind of reflects a society that has become increasingly consumeristic and influenced by these fast fashion trends.
1: So the upshot of this, I guess, is that we should be wearing cowboy boots and sequins to the shops. Yes. (laughs) A friend of mine has actually been making a large amount of money doing Taylor Swift friendship bracelets, selling those on the internet. She's actually had to get herself an ABN and register as a business owner because of this. So what happens to all these thousands and thousands of friendship bracelets?
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the concerns and one of the thoughts that I had when I started looking into this because they're obviously the little friendship bracelets that are made out of these plastic beads and the gemstones. And for the arts and craft industry, great for them because they're getting all these sales, but it's not so great for the environment. There are concerns that all these friendship bracelets could just end up in landfill, but it is hope that Swifties hold onto them because it is a big trademark of the show that everyone mm. swaps these friendship bracelets and everything. So hopefully they keep to them and they don't end up in the bin.
1: Well, I should say that my friend's uh, friendship bracelets are incredibly high quality and I'm sure people will keep them for life. Yes. But I'm not really a Swifty if we're all being honest here and I didn't go to any of these Taylor concerts but I did go to a friend's birthday over the weekend one at, w- at one point they decided to shower me with glitter and I'm sure I'll find it somewhere <laughs> on my face months from now yes. but what about all that glitter that people wear at these uh, massive music events?
0: Yeah, I went to one of the Taylor Swift shows and a lot of people wearing glitter on their faces and even festivals, you always see people glitter all over them on their clothes. And it is a very popular fashion accessory. And it's, you know, it's fun and sparkly, but I don't think people realise that it can have potentially harmful effects on the environment and actually even ourselves. So I'll bring in Liam for this one.
2: Most glitter is made of plastic and, uh, you know, people stick it to their bodies, to their clothes, etc. But it washes off really easily in laundry or when you're having a shower and that obviously gets into our waterways and potentially all the way out into the ocean. You've probably heard of microplastics and what what a big issue they are, how pervasive they are. And glitter comes in microplastic form. You know it's such small particles already. It's essentially already m- microplastics. And once that's in the ocean, it's very easily consumed. Uh, becomes part of the food chain, and that ultimately ends up with us.
0: And glitter is actually such a big problem for the environment that there have been calls for a global ban on glitter. The European Union actually enforced a ban on the stuff last year, and it's part of that bigger move to crack down on microplastic waste. And just a bit more on that, some scientists actually estimate that the average person might eat five grams of microplastics in a week, which is roughly how much a credit card weighs. So you don't think five grams um, is a lot, but then when you think, oh gosh, that's like a whole credit card of microplastics that I'm eating each week, that's a lot.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's too much, I would say. We should say that there are some companies that sell environmentally friendly, non-plastic glitter. Some of that is made from minerals, glass, or even cornstarch, I've read. Mm. So we've covered a lot of ground about what happens now, but let's look forward to the future. What do people think that things should be like uh, later on?
0: Yeah. So here in Australia, a lot of the big acts that we see are flying in from overseas because Australia is pretty far away as well. So that doesn't help in terms of all the carbon emissions coming from the planes. Um, We've but, got to
1: move the continent. We've yeah. Got to- basically,
0: let's just move Australia. <laughs> Problem solved. <Yep. laughs> um, but Liam from Planet Ark had a different alternative to that. Uh, here he is.
2: I've heard of things like festivals giving themselves carbon budgets so that they can only bring a certain number of acts from overseas or they have to change a part of their operations to reduce their footprint elsewhere. And th- those are all really great things to see as well.
0: And there's this group called Green Music Australia, and they're also leading the charge in this space. And they launched a new uh, web app last year to help music fans at festivals reduce their waste. And they kind of give things for recommendations for sustainable like equipment hire and all sorts of different sustainability tips to help people pack. And one of the things that I found interesting was that up to 80% of waste at music festivals actually comes directly from the campsites. You've got all those cheap, broken tents and everything. People just leave them behind all the camp Mm -hmm. chairs. So I think it's really important that, you know, we just all got to try our best and because we can all make help make a change really in this space.
1: Absolutely. Well, something for all of us to think about when we go to that next gig. Thanks so much, Lauren.
0: Thanks, Bencia.
1: Lauren Howarth there. That's all we have time for in today's afternoon briefing. Check your feeds again at 6am for your morning briefing. In the meantime, slide into our DMs and join our broadcast channel by searching The Briefing Podcast on Instagram. I'm Benzion Siebert. Thanks for listening.